Welcome to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. Uh, this week we have a special episode. This is one I'm releasing a little early um, because it is the week of uh, the Leadville 100 um, mile race, which, you know, if you're obviously into the sport of ultra running, you know, this is a big event, big week. Uh, so I'm, I'm super excited. I actually, I was thinking, I'm like, man, I don't know if I've done a podcast in this kind of format before. Um, so this would be kind of a new thing for, for me to try out, which is super fun. Uh, but basically I am bringing on two very experienced ultra runners, uh, my friend Tim Barr and Caitlin Yonke. Um, both of them are like Leadville obsessed. Uh, I know for Tim, it's, and I don't want to speak for him (laughs) and I can't remember if he said it in the podcast. Uh, but I know that the Leadville course is his favorite ultra running course, his favorite place he's ran. He loves going up there. Um, and it's a passion that's super evident, uh, whenever I talk to him about this race and, um, and I believe Caitlin feels the same way. So these are two people who just love this event. Uh, and they basically, you know, kind of came up with the idea of like, Hey, let's, let's go on and share some advice that we have from our times running it, uh, to maybe help some new racers get into the mindset, you know, answer some questions, ease up some anxieties that they may have about Leadville. And something that they told me that just got me really excited and it's something I knew um, was that this 100 mile race is a lot of people's first 100 that they take on. And I said to myself, man, I've ran in Leadville, Colorado at 10,000 feet seems like a really hard one to be your very first 100 miler to take on. Uh, But that being said, um, I think the fact that when I'm imagining this, because I haven't been up there and I'm kind of the guy who they're explaining all this stuff to, right? Like I'm trying to play that role while we're talking of the role of like the guy who's might be asking dumb questions or, or questions that, people who have done Leadville are like, dude, dude, like, how do you not know the answer to this? Um, but as someone who hasn't been up there and hasn't been at this event, uh, and just kind of picturing it in my head as I've done, you know, many, many times ever since I've gotten into this sport. And even before that, uh, Leadville 100 was the first time I ever even heard someone mention the number 100 along with running. And I was like, what, uh, excuse me now, excuse me now. What did you say? 100. Um, but I, I just imagining all these people going out there and they've trained for months and months and maybe even years at this point to take this thing on. And just the idea that this weekend they are going to have their opportunity to shine and they're going to have their opportunity to get it done to accomplish their goal that like gives me chills like legitimately and i think i think it's it's obviously not for me it's not just the leadville 100 it's just people going out putting themselves out there doing something ridiculously hard and you know putting all of it out on the line you know like everything out there um that's that's awesome. That's special. Uh, I love that. I 
I want there to be more of that in the world. So if this podcast can somehow contribute to that, that's awesome. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy listening to Tim and Caitlin as much as I did. Uh, I tried to get a mixture of their stories from their events, you know, like and and try to try to get their passion for this out there, along with just some solid, awesome uh, advice. Some of it is specific to Leadville itself, and other like there's other parts that are very just specific or just kind of more more uh, broad advice for ultra running, which I think all of us in this crazy sport can appreciate. So. Uh, yeah, guys, let's get into it. Um, sorry, my voice is gone this week and <laughs> I apologize in advance. It won't be like this for the rest of the podcast because we recorded it a few weeks ago. Um, but all right, guys, let's get into it. This is like a Bigfoot podcast with Tim Barr and Caitlin Yonke. All right, ladies and gents, this week uh, we're sitting down, we're chatting here with Caitlin Yonke and Tim Barr. Um, they are basically, they've ran Leadville 100. Caitlin's coached people through the Leadville 100. Um, so today's episode is really going to be kind of focused around that topic. Um, so yeah, guys, do you want to introduce yourselves or? I'll let Tim go. Looking at me. <laughs> They're just looking at me. I know, just staring at you. Sure. Um, I- Thanks for having us on, Chris. Um, I've been fortunate enough, been on a couple times uh, with you. It's always like fun dialogue. But um, you know, um, I I'm a I'm an amateur athlete. Um, don't really have you know any anything other than just sort of six or seven years of ultra running experience to share. But um, Caitlin and I had an idea of just getting together and sharing some of our lessons learned at the Leadville 100 and um, giving people some just quick pointers that they can kind of take into their race. I know the race is in a few weeks um, and people are preparing for it, but um, we thought it'd be fun to do a little episode on things that we learned and um, just setting people up for success uh, in their own race. Yeah, man. And I have to say this, Tim just got done biking the Leadville 100 course in like a bike mountain bike stage race, man. So what was real quick? What was that like? Um, I didn't die, which is good. I'm a runner. Um, not really used to ride my mountain bike over uh, some of the, some of that terrain, but I mean, there's this one spot coming down off a of Columbine and there's these huge rocks and I'm going downhill, just kind of trying to feather my brakes. So I don't, so I don't die and people are just blowing by me. Like it just made me realize like how like not talented I am on a mountain bike, but I stayed upright and I finished, you know, it was, uh, it was an experience for you sure. You wore some Lycra for a bit. I did. I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some I think we actually joked at camp when we had to do that at camp for the reroute that that would just be a nightmare on the bike. And so now you got to experience it on the bike. I did. I experienced it. So props <laughs> to all just... you mountain bikers, man. Like you guys are a different breed for dude, sure. Dude, he was just crying. Like tears were coming down his face, though, like bouncing up and down over the rocks. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, but yeah, Caitlin, like tell us a little bit about you. You've been on the podcast before. So has Tim. Um, so go back and check those episodes out. We talked to Caitlin after you did the FKT for White Rim Road, which was super cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to be back. Like Tim, I've been running ultras for like, five, six years. Um, I do it for the love of the sport. Um, Leadville was actually my very first hundred miler. And a lot of people looked at me with a face that was like, mm, good luck. 
Um, but it was probably one of the best experiences of my life. And then I couldn't wait to get back for more. Um, I was one of the, I don't want to say lucky few, but I guess excited few that crossed the line with the big buckle for their first attempt. And I cherish that big buckle and I always will. Um, and then the next year I wanted to go back for even more success and got another big buckle. So I like to consider myself lucky that I've had that honor. I really do think a big buckle is quite an honor and something to achieve and aspire to. Um, I've coached several athletes from big bucklers to people who have crossed the line almost dead last. And it's been such a joy to watch that experience um, and watch somebody complete their lead man journey as their coach. So it's been quite an experience to be on both sides of that as the athlete, as well as the coach, as well as the friend helping somebody out. So, you know, when Tim came to me with this idea of how to set people up for success and give them like our tips of the trade and things that we've noticed over the years of even just running as well as being, you know, the friend on the other side, I thought this was a great idea because I know it can be daunting to stand on that start line and wonder what the heck am I doing? What am I getting into? Yeah. What am I getting into? And worrying about the eating cutoffs, you know, all the little minutiae. And we thought, you know, what about, you know, two people who have gone through this ringer and, you know, maybe we've got something that'll help you out race day. Heck yeah. Well, and my Leadville experience is I've hiked a couple mountains there a few times, uh, went for a run there last year after camping and it was like a seven mile run and it freaking kicked my butt, dude. It's so the elevation is crazy, man. It's like a 10,000 feet we brought my two-year-old up there to try to camp for the first time. I think she was like one and a half then. That was a mistake. No sleep. Anywho, uh, I figured my role in this. So I'm a huge like Tour de France guy in the summer. Not huge, but I enjoy watching it, you know. And they always have the commentators. And all the commentators are like these dudes who have biked. Like they're professional cyclists. They've done the Tour de France and all this stuff. And then there's one guy Paul Burmeister, who's my, he's my dude, dude. I like this guy because one, also from Iowa, two, also a University of Iowa quarterback. I'm just kidding. I, I was a fan of University of Iowa quarterback. So I feel <laughs> like we're related there. Um, but like, he's the guy, he's like, he doesn't have the experience. So he kind of gets the ask the questions, you know, that the quote unquote, like every every person would ask, you know? So anyways, that's how I look at my role. I'm like, man, I've never, I've never even been up for the Leadville 100 weekend. Uh, I feel like I'm missing out just from that whole community experience, but, but, uh, but yeah, I'm excited to, to hear what you guys have to say. So cool. All right, Caitlin, I'm going to let you go first. Okay. <laughs> um, so I guess my first one that I'm going to go with is a lot of people get really caught up in our cutoffs. Like Leadville has these really stout cutoffs. And everyone, I guess even this year and in previous years have thought it's because Leadville's being mean. And they're not. It's really for your safety out there on the mountains. But if you get caught up in these early cutoffs, you're going to miss out on the rest of the race and really enjoying the race. So even if you're somebody who runs towards the back of the pack or the front of the pack, worry about those mid the twin lakes the first twin lakes cutoff and the windfield cutoff because if you're moving towards those cutoffs you're gonna make the first few you're gonna make may queen you're gonna make outbound 
And then you are going to make Twin Lakes and you're going to make Winfield. And if you make those with 30 to 60 minutes to spare, you can turn around and finish the race. I told one of my athletes that she was really nervous about making Winfield. She made it to Winfield, I think with 45 minutes to spare, turned around and she had like a 28 hour finish. And that was her goal. Her goal was just to finish Leadville. And her biggest fear was missing the first Twin Lakes cutoff. But I told her if she made it under that time, she had it. She had it in the bag. And watching that joy as I was coming up pacing another athlete, she just like was jumping with joy that she was going to make that cutoff. So if you worry about the later ones versus like the very first one, then your day isn't ruined. You can move through this race really successfully. Yeah. So let me ask you this. So it's an out and back. So you go 50 Mm -hmm. miles out, 50 miles back. Is one direction easier than the other you know like if you get halfway is i mean i know it can't be easier because you're you are you just ran 50 miles on your legs but like you know elevation wise are you going more downhill on the second half or what um i personally and, and i'd be interested to see what caitlin thinks but i think both sides are both directions are equally difficult um, for different reasons. Um, on the, on the out, it's like you're fresh. You run from basically the start, um, you know, all the way down to the first aid station at the other side of twin lakes. And so, and that it's mostly downhill or flat, um, that first like 13 miles. Um, so that's, it's a pretty quick segment and everybody's excited and, you know, kind of like amped up and, and ready to go. Um, the fatigue does start to kind of wear on you because it's a slow sort of gradual uphill basically to Twin Lakes. So um, it, it feels flat, but it's, you know, one to 2% grade kind of on the way there. So there's a like, thousand feet over that 16 miles or 1500 feet or something that you're kind of cumulated to be putting on your body. And then coming back is just steeper. So um, the backside Hope Pass is really steep. The um, power lines climb is really steep. So it's, and, and you hit that at like mile 75. So yeah. those are, those are the pieces that start to really kind of tweak with you. And fortunately you kind of have pacers mostly on the way back. Um, they changed some of the rules this year, but, um, pacers really help, I think, kind of keep you in a positive mindset as you're going through those difficult sections, you know? So I, I think they're both, I think it's hard both directions. I don't think there's an easy way out that, or back. That didn't give anybody hope, Tim. Sorry. I <laughs> well, it sucks going like not, it doesn't suck, but it's this thing that gets on your brain during an out and back, even during like a training run the whole time out. You're like, Oh, I'm going to have to go back this. Like everything I just did is just as a mental thing that kind of like gets in your head. Yeah. And so we ran last year during, you know, the COVID lockdown, um, Caitlin and Hillary and I decided to run from Winfield kind of the back half of the course in. So basically starting fresh in Winfield, which is the 50 mile turnaround mm-hmm. and running it back. And I was shocked at how tired I was by the time we hit that power lines climb. I mean, Hillary and I made it like 40 miles and we're like, okay, like, I think we're good. We could have made it all the way into Leadville, but it was, it's, it was kind of like reassuring to me in some ways, because when you're in the race and you're in that moment, you're really starting to get down on yourself when you're on your way back of like, dude, I'm really tired. Like I'm not feeling good. It's, it's hard even on fresh legs. So give yourself a little bit of grace. Um, you know, you can make it as long as you keep moving forward, but, um, it's, 
to that point of like the front half or the back half being harder, they're both, they're both difficult. Um, but as long as you continue to move, the course isn't that technical. It's not as hilly as people make it out to be in terms of like, it's at 10,000 feet. It must be super mountainy. There's really like two major climbs in the whole race that really, you know, wear on people. So I'm um, keeping that in mind. There's 60 miles of runnable terrain, um, in the hundred miler. So. Yeah, I'm kind of there with Tim. I think you can mentally like compartmentalize like certain sections are harder than others going out and certain sections are harder than others coming back. At yeah. least how I see it. Um, I might be a little bit more of the torturistic person and I enjoy climbing. Like I enjoy the steep stuff, but that's, that's me personally. But I do, I do think that if you've got running legs under you, twin legs to outbound on the way back is real, a really nice reprieve for your body. And then it preps you nicely for the steep stuff coming out to power line. And so your body can get a nice little reprieve to tackle the climb. And then you do have, you know, slightly climbing out of May Queen, but it's manageable. So it is tough, but at the same time, if you compartmentalize from aid station to aid station on what is easier than the other, you can say, okay, this chunk is going to be harder than the last, but then I have to look forward to this. So you can kind of break it up in, I get to look forward to this. And that's kind of how I looked forward to it, like on the out and back, like I get this nice gentle slope up hope pass to the steep section, then the steep section, and then a gentle section and kind of worked through all of that. And that really helped me move through the course versus being like, oh gosh, I have to climb Hope Pass again. And it really helps break up, break up the hard parts and makes you look forward to your favorite parts of the course. So if you really like to run, you can say, all right, I'm going to get Hope Pass over with, I'm going to run. And then, you know, you've got that stuff. And I think that goes into our next point if Tim wants to do it of like being able to run and move forward. Yeah. And so, and I'll just kind of bring that back to kind of a personal story of, um, so the first year Leadville was my first hundred miler as well. Um, I paced, I paced there in I guess 2014 and was just so enamored by the race. I was like, I have to do this thing. And, um, so I, I took two full years to get to the starting line of the race. Like I just kind of built up and, um, ran a 50 miler and just tried to learn as much as I could about, um, jumped into the hundred and um i was 35 minutes outside of big buckle time my first leadville race which was phenomenal like amazing time i mean it was like i finished in the dark it was was super cool but you know at like 35 minutes it's just my wife knew i was going to go back and do it again you know (laughs) it's like he's he's not going to be able to sleep because he's going to want to get he's going to want to get that buckle what's Um, what's big buckle time 25 hours. Okay. So 30 hour cutoff overall and it's 25 sub 25. I'll get you um, a big buckle. So, and it's, it's, it's not super crazy. I know at, at Western States and some other races, it's sub 24. And um, I think 24 would be pretty aggressive, but you know, it's um, I was just over 24 the second year I did it. But anyway, ne- neither here nor there, but the biggest change I made um, between year one and 2019, uh, when I went back was I trained the flats and I trained running and slow jogging and constant forward momentum. 
So um, there's, there's two places that I think people lose the most time. And um, the first place is at aid stations. Um, there are 11 aid stations. There's 11 places to stop. And if you do the math on that, if you spend five minutes at each aid station, which is really easy to do, if you're just like filling water and like trying to get your drop bags, trying to get your crap together, um, you've lost an hour of time. And, you know, something like 80% of the people finish between 29 and 30 hours at this race. Like it's the golden hour is, is a pretty special place to be in Leadville. Um, but that's an hour of time that you spend at aid stations. And so the first, first advice I give people is just to plan your aid, like understand, like move through those aid stations, give yourself some grace to maybe stop at one or two of them and have your crew be like, like I ran into twin lakes and I told, uh, Julie, my crew chief and my wife, I was like, set a timer for five minutes. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to eat, like force me to eat. And I was like, at five minutes, I want out of this chair and I want to keep moving. Even if I have food in my hands, I want to keep moving. So I planned my stops and I didn't allow any sort of, um, leniency in my stops. If I wasn't done eating like too bad, like get up out of your chair and keep moving. Um, and then the second place I had uh, my good friend, Donald Buke, who's a two time hard rock finisher, like killer athlete. Um, said the best thing he ever did is, is run the Colfax marathon in training for the Leadville marathon or the Leadville hundred, which was bonkers to me, but, um, you, which Colfax flat road yeah, marathon through Denver, flat, totally yeah. flat, like in Denver. Um, but the flat running like the flat or one or 2% grade running, there's 60 miles of that trail in this race, like 60, you know, I mean that when you kind of start doing the math on that year one, I would like hit a 3% grade and you could just see the road just go for miles. And I was like, Oh God, I'm like hot. I'm tired. And I would just walk until I kind of got my energy to run again. And if you can run that stuff, like you have a really good shot, not only at finishing, but like getting close to that big buckle time and you don't have to run fast. It's like 11, 12 minute miles will get you there. And so, yeah. um, I look at my splits from the first year I ran to like, um, 2019 and on my way back, I like ran all the stuff that I had walked, um, the year before. And I made up, you know, like an hour and a half of time just by planning my aid stops and by training. And I trained flat. I trained a ton of flat road leading into that race and just got mentally prepared for like long sort of rolling flat, um, terrain and made sure my legs could turn over even when I was tired. Yeah. Which like people who also aren't from Colorado area, like there's a whole bunch of people that fly in from different parts of the country. Like this is a big one, man. That's like a big, is it the biggest 100 like field wise in the U S maybe? Yeah. Um, it not, could be close. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, UTMB in, in Europe is obviously is the biggest, yeah. like to 10,000 yeah. people or something. But most people from other parts of the country are like, dude, I'm going to Leadville. Like it's going to be climbing. Like I have to figure all that stuff out, which they should probably. But also what you're saying is like, Hey, you can do a lot of the like regular training and, you know, on roads and stuff and that'll help. Yeah. You should hike all the ups. Like if yeah. you're, if you hike all the ups and you run like that flat stuff, like you're going to do great. It's, it's the, um, the uphill, you can only go so fast. Like I even split from 2016 to 2019. I ran Hope Pass in the exact same time. Like it was, it was crazy to look at those splits, like same up and over, same up and back. 
Um, you don't really make up a whole lot of time on the climbs. You're whether you're hiking or trying to run it, it's just like save your energy and like run those, run those flat sections, you know? Nice. All yeah, right. I, I was one of the people that I trained. I did the Colorado marathon early spring in 2019. And it's, I mean, it's a net downhill, but I trained to have a fast day and you know, that turnover definitely played, you know, gave me dividends for, you know, the Leadville 100. And then I think I also trained for, I ran the 50 mile, which is also a lot of running. And I didn't go out to like race the day. I went out to just complete the day. And if you go out and you train to just run a whole lot of running miles and then like sprinkle in a little bit of hiking, like a 14 or here or there, it really does mimic what the course does. Because Hope Pass, yeah, it is a hike. And you don't need to run Hope Pass. You don't need to rush it. You just need to have that forward momentum of, can I just shuffle along to get up and over Hope? And then after Hope, shuffle along to get up and over Powerline. Like that, that's really all the races is just a lot of forward shuffling and it doesn't have to be fast. Like that's, the, that's really what it is. And a lot of people think that like those times are impressive times to finish under. It's just being able to shuffle and eat. Oh, the, the grandma shuffle. That's, I can yes. shuffle, man. I can shuffle yeah. and eat. <laughs> like my last pacer last year was my husband or last time was my husband and we were probably shuffling no more than like 15 minute miles but I felt like I was breakneck speeds but I'm <laughs> thankful that I ran that marathon because I was able to just keep moving forward yeah so you know that pays so much into that nice what so I, I want to say this to you the basis of doing this kind of was you guys were you know, on different forums for Leadville and people were kind of freaking out because we're like a few weeks away or, you know, you're probably looking at these like a month out and stuff. Like, are these things people are kind of like freaking out about basically? They made some, and, and, you know, in defense of some of the people that were posting on some of these forums, like they made some pretty significant changes to Leadville this year in terms of both cutoffs and in terms of pacing. Um, and, you know, in a race where there's less than a 50% finisher rate anyway, to, um, to move cutoffs up a half an hour, um, at twin lakes to get rid of pacers at mile 50 and that you can't pick them up until you get back up over hope at mile 60. I mean, those are like, I, I totally sympathize with people for, for being upset over some of those changes. Like it's, it's hard. Like I was glad I had a pacer both times when I was coming out a Winfield and back up over hope. Cause they got me eating. Um, but you know, the other piece of this is just really, um, you know, you, you can't like life is an ultra, like rules always change. Like sometimes the course change changes because there's like a wildfire or there's like, I know they rerouted never summer, like a couple of weeks ago, like, the, the rules are always kind of shifting. And I think the idea just in ultra running in general is that you, you have to figure out a way to mentally kind of reset and recalibrate and set yourself up for success. So yeah, it's going to be a much different race this year. I think we're going to see a, a, a lower finisher rate, to be honest with you. But um, I think if people can just accept the challenge for what it is, because in reality, that half hour they move things up at Twin Lakes to get over Hope, 
like I have rarely seen anyone get out under the wire at two o'clock at Twin Lakes and, and make the race. Like it hardly ever happens. And I'm sure that there's, I'd love to see the statistics on it, but they're just trying to keep people safe out there, especially since there's no pacers coming back up over hope. Um, so, you know, it's, it's like one of two approaches that you can take to anything. It's just like, you know, you can, you know, try to complain about it on a social media forum or you can which you know, always that always helps that's <laughs> correct that's how that works if you yeah. comment on the comment section that's everyone like that changes everything right yeah i always feel like much better like <laughs> after reading the comments on any post um, me too it gives me hope <laughs> oh my god it's uh so yeah I yeah know. so i don't know where that was going that was ramble but <laughs> No, that's that fine. Sense, like, man. and I think you and I both agreed that like it's, it comes down to going into this race with the mindset of I'm going to enjoy it and I'm going in with this mental capacity for success. If you stand up in that start line saying I am not going to finish or I'm setting myself up to fail, you will, like hands down. And if I'm being honest from personal experience, my very first race. I had these A, B, C, D, all the way down to Z goals of what my times were going to be. Never once after that shotgun was fired at the start, yes, they start with a shotgun, did I ever think about my pace goals. That was my cruise job. Never once did anyone tell me what place I was in until I picked up my pacer at Twin Lakes. Never once did I think about any of that except for to keep moving forward. That was my only job. That's your only job in the race is to eat, move forward, smile, have fun, make sure that your body is doing its job like peeing. If you got to go number two, go number two. Other things, like, other, other things. Other important things, right? <laughs> but have fun. Smile while you're out there. If you like to take pictures on a race course, take pictures on the race course. Do what you love to do out there. We don't, some people race to be competitive. Some people race to have fun. Go out there and have fun. That's, is that why you signed up for Leadville? Then yeah, go do it. Then yeah. when it comes down to worrying about your time in the 12th hour, worry about your time at May Queen. That's it. That's but, the important part. But Caitlin, I got 483rd when I could have got 462 place. So. <laughs> you didn't run hard enough after May Queen. <laughs> That's where the race begins. Like, but I'm just like really? most like most people aren't really competing. Like you're going out there, like yeah. you said, dude, have fun. Like this is supposed to be a fun thing. This is your your hobby. This yeah. is your thing you like to do, you know? And you're challenging yourself just like everyone else out there, you know. Yeah. And yeah. if you're going for that famous Leadville buckle, then really your goal should be to move forward. And if time becomes the issue, then start worrying about it when you're coming back over hope. Yeah. And then it's up to your crew and it's up to your pacers and it's up to everyone else to help, you know, poke and prod you along with your trekking poles to get you to that finish. Yeah. Like What's... that's, that's my biggest piece of wisdom because I didn't, I had a pacer who then told me at twin, you're in 18th place. We're going to start chasing headlamps. And I just like, was like, okay. And I just like blindly followed. And that's what you do. Eat and blindly follow your pacers. Yeah, your brain doesn't work at that point anyways, no. right? Like, why, what's the point of thinking about stuff? Yes. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, and there's too many other things to, I mean, that's, that's the whole point too. I put together a plan and I am a planner. And, um, if, if like anybody, you are a planner, man, dude, he knows. <laughs> Me too. <you> know. <laughs> if anybody listening to this wants, um, you can message me on Instagram or something. Um, and I'll, I'll send you my like race plans from both 2016 and, and 2019. Um, and, uh, and I'll let you know how I kind of put those together, but, um, the, the planning for success. And I, I think on the forums, I saw a little bit of this where, um, it was, it was like, look, you have to go into this with the mindset of, you know, it's not like mind over matter stuff, but in some ways you've got to like visualize success. And, you know, when you're, when you're complaining that a cutoff got moved and you're not going to succeed, then you're blaming someone else for your own lack of, um, visualizing success. Like you have no control like zero, like you could complain all you want, but it is what it is. And so you've got to reset and you've got to just plan and be like, yo, like I, I know I can do this, but the flip side of it is a lot of people go into this believing that they can do it and they don't make it for one reason or another. I think that happens too. Um, I've had really amazing ultra runner athletes not finish this thing. Um, but it's not because they went to the start, like they all showed up to the start line prepared and ready to go. And just like physical things happened that kind of kept them from being able to cross the finish line. And then, and it it happens, but, um, you have to go in with like the most positive mindset that you can and just understand, like, look, I put the training in trust, give your plan to your crew and, and just be like, yo, I mean, the gun went off. Let's just go. I mean, that happened in 19. Caitlin and I started together. We ran, you know, pretty much the first like 10, 12 miles of the race together. Just enjoying where we were at, you know, I was like, man, I feel like we're going out a little hard and, um, you know, but we were just kind of in it. She's like, keep up, Tim. She was, she was like, I didn't think we went out that hard. We were just cruising. I was like, my heart rate's like 190 right now. I don't know what you're talking about. And I think like going on with that, like it's kind of this have a mantra or have that like positive mindset. Like everyone, you hear that and it sounds cheesy for a lot of people of like having a mantra, Um, whether it's like two words or whether it's like a phrase. And I always have my crew ask me if I'm loving it. And like this past weekend, I attempted the High Lonesome Race. And, you know, due to other stuff going on externally, for me, I had a lot of external stress going on and my body kind of just shut down on me. I was prepared. I was physically ready. I could have finished the race had it not been for all this external stuff. And we got to the mile 49 aid station and my mom asked me, are you loving it? And I looked at her and I said, no, I'm hating this. And I had been vomiting. I just, I hadn't been able to eat or do anything. And that was my signal of, I shouldn't be out here. Yeah. And so like Tim was saying, like you could be an athlete 100% prepared on that start line, mentally ready to go. And I thought I was, and I decided now's not the time to push through this. So that was my mantra. And sometimes if your mantra isn't meeting your, your needs, then it's okay to step off the side of the trail, but have a mantra, have something there that guides you forward. That always kind of pushes you. And both times I did Leadville, like she would ask at every aid station and I usually yelled out an expletive. It's four words. You probably know what it is. And I yell F yes. And I just keep <laughs> running past her. And like, that was, that was the mantra, even, you know, 2am in the morning, barely eating, like 
food in hand, scream it, and then just keep running past. And that should be, you know, something you have in the back of your head, whether it's believe or it's strength or doing it for so-and-so or whatever it is, it should be your why. Why are you out there? And an athlete who was doing it so they could get the big buckle to go with their cowboy hat. Like that's not a good enough why. That was his why. And that was like that propelled him forward. Oh, oh, you're saying that was okay. Yeah, that was truly his thing. Like he wanted the big buckle for his cowboy hat. And he had like two and a half hours to get around May Queen. And like he made it with like 10 minutes to spare. Like you're like, that cowboy hat's gonna be I was like, this is gonna gonna be epic. (laughs) And I told him like texted him at may queen i was like dude you got two and a half hours and he took off and dropped his pacer that's awesome sometimes two and a half is that's bonkers man i just realized i'm looking i'm looking at the map when i said i like was struggling like running in leadville that's where i ran right on turquoise like it's not (laughs) steep it's not steep at all it's not one of these climbs you guys are talking about it's literally like a nice run by a beautiful lake and it kicked my butt so bad, dude. Uh, you needed logs last time. I think I was. I don't know. They were a lot bigger than they were at the start of the race. We didn't you have gotta, to hop logs in 2019, did we, Tim? Because I was like jumping over logs that were like this big. There's and a Brand- bunch of And Brandon groups. was like, they're not that big. And I was like, yes, they are. Like, I could barely get over them. That's so, amazing. What? Like, we had an issue. Tim, do you have, do you do a mantra? I mean, okay, so I have to say this. I feel bad about the cowboy hat guy um, because I said it's not a, a big enough, a good enough why, but like, that's for me. Like it might, like for I him, that meant everything. Like that visualization of having a buckle on that cowboy hat. And, you know, that's, that can be a powerful thing. So, so yeah, I'm not here to judge anyone's why. I feel bad. Don't. Yeah. I, teased, I teased him and he was like, I just want a belt buckle to go with my hat. And I was like, all right, then we're doing it. This is just for me. I'm jealous because I can't pull off a cowboy hat. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> I think you could. I think you could. No, nah, I can't. Man. Um, uh, do you have a mantra, Tim? Um, I, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, be present. Um, it's, you know, and I think I've talked about it on the podcast before. It's, it's one of the hardest things. I have a tattoo of a, of a huge like pocket watch on my leg. That's just like blowing to pieces. And, um, I got that when I was like 22 years old because it was, it's like, I'm always like a futuristic thinker and, um, it'll destroy you at Leadville, like absolutely crush you. If you were, if you were living in that like, and I think this goes back to this cutoff conversation of like this panic and this worry about something that is 40 miles away yeah. or, or like you hit 40 and you're like, God, I've got like 60 miles to go. Like you, like you will get so mentally drained and mentally tired. Like there's a good chance, like you'll DNF. And so like the idea of much smaller goals. Like it can be, you know, I'm going to make it like sometimes like honestly on the way back, um, Oliver, my friend Oliver is pacing me and, and he was just like, Hey man, we're going to run from this tree to that tree. And then we would get to that tree and he's like, ah, let's give it one more tree. (laughs) And you know, but it's like, you don't feel like you can run when you're thinking about like, you've got 40 more miles left, but then, but yeah, I can run to that tree. Like I can get to that tree. And 
the idea of just like being in the moment and being present and, and just embracing like where you're at, like, yeah, it's going to suck at times. It's going to hurt. But I mean, just being like, all right, like I met, like I'm where I'm at. And I think uh, I just listened to a podcast with Courtney DeWalter and, and she, um, she said, be, I, and I'll probably botch it up. So I don't know if Courtney listens to this or not, but, um, Hey Courtney, probably not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Courtney, if you're listening, um, it was like, just be where your feet are. Yeah. I listened to the same podcast, my man. And she carves, she also had this like beautiful, like imagery of like, she said that she used to push the pain cave off as far as like she could push it off. Like didn't want to go into it. Like, yeah. And, and now it's like, no, it's about getting to the pain cave and doing the work and chiseling. Like she has imagery of chiseling this pain cave out. So it's a bigger space. And I was like, wow, that's like super profound. <laughs> um, you know, cause it really is like, you're just in different spots and like, you're like one moment, like you want to quit and the next moment, like you're, you know, you eat something, which maybe is our next topic. And you're like, wow, like I feel better. Cause I actually ate something when I didn't feel like eating. Yeah. Um, you gotta be there though. Right. Like right here, right now is like the only time that it, that really matters. Well, and it's just, it's such a life thing. Cause it's like, how often do you worry about a conversation you're going to have or, or something like that? And you're visualizing it and it's stressing you out. And then you actually get to that conversation or, or whatever the event may be. And you've, you've spent hours stressing about it, like hours in your mind. And then it's not that bad. And you're like, Oh, that wasn't that bad. Like, Oh, Oh man, what was I doing? I just wasted hours. You know, it's almost like in a race, you're like, dude, I wasted a race worrying about mile 40. I got to mile 40 and like, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Absolutely. I'll, like go into a story on that. It was actually, I think it was 2019. Um, I had already, I love hope pass. Hope pass is like my bread and butter of the race. Like you ask me to hype, like hike repeats of hope and I would gladly do it any day over running the flats. And anybody that knows me knows that like climbing is my favorite thing in the world. But like I started hiking up with a guy, I'm just heading up and he said, Oh, this isn't as bad as I thought it was. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, Holt Pass is the best part of the whole course. And he just looked at me. He's like, and I was like, just wait, just wait till the second half. And I think I saw him on the second half. He's like, I think you're right. <laughs> and we both kind of had a chuckle of like, we make these storylines up in our head that something is so terrible. And we, we really like build it up that it's this big monster and it's this big demon instead of welcoming it. And like, that's always been anytime I do the race or anytime I have an athlete doing the race, I tell them to like, welcome hope. Hope gives you hope. Like you get to the top of Hope Pass the second time, you can see Leadville. You can see where you're going. And they always tell you, Ken and Marilee always tell you, you're going home. Leadville is home. And so from the top of Hope Pass, I love looking at it and smiling and being like, you get to go home. And I know it's such like, it's a great distance from there, but it's not that far. Yeah. So you get to the top of Hope and you get to run and so we've made up this big storyline in our head that it's such a hard place to go but there's a reason it's called hope and so like i always welcome hope pass yeah welcome it in your race it might hurt but it's like the greatest part of your day and that's like that's my big thing of wisdom i guess like it can bring so much to some 
many people. It's such a magical place. You talk to anybody that's done the race. Hope Pass has given so much to so many people. That's awesome. That's, I mean, and it's a perfect name for it. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, uh, it's magical up there. Mm-hmm. It's like my favorite, you know, stood on top of a lot of 14ers in the state, but it's, it's my, yeah. like I told my wife, I'm like someday, someday, like when I'm, you know, old and, you know, hopefully in, in a long time from now, but I like swear I want my ashes spread is like up there top of Hope Pass. It's just like that spot. There's just something about it. That's pretty magical, you know? Yeah. One side you look off into a mountain range and the next spot, like you turn around and it opens up and you can see town. And so like, instead of fearing it, welcome it. That's and that awesome. might be like what Courtney was saying about welcoming that pain cave and making it, opening it, like welcome. Mm-hmm. And maybe hope is like the great analogy for it. Like it's hopeful. It's a hopeful place. Yeah, it hurts a little, but welcome it. Well, like welcoming stuff is always way easier than resisting stuff. Resisting is always going to take way more energy than just going with the flow, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's such a great place. And like to go with like the eating thing, it's going to be a lot easier if you eat too. Yeah. Let's talk about eating. I I mean, (laughs) I love eating. It's my favorite part of ultras. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's why I do it. Um, But yeah, like what here's okay. I'll, I'll say this from my experience. I've done really one mountainy ultra and that was the grand traverse in crested butte in like aspen and stuff and that was the only race where i felt like i couldn't eat and it was all because of altitude as soon as i dropped and you know me tim i'm a chatty kathy or whatever is that a thing (laughs) the thing you are Uh, a chatty kathy man like i'll run with tim and i'll i'll talk from the moment we start running this is like a five in the morning to the moment we stop running it's true i'm, I'm glad you do because i i i'm just quiet at five i'm just like man i bet i'm super annoying but um but that was the one race like i just couldn't talk to anybody around me um because of the altitude and then as soon as we dropped down i like everything came back i was super hungry i could talk to people you know um so yeah so when you have a race like leadville which is so high altitude like what do you see a lot of eating problems? Cause if you don't eat, you're screwed, man. Like you're just in trouble. Yeah. Um, that's a big thing. Food is a big thing at this race. And I will say like, I'm, I usually do really good eating at altitude. Like I'm a big eater, but you know, some people aren't, especially for coming from sea level and a lot of people for this race to do. And they're like, Oh, I'll be fine. I've practiced eating. And then 20 miles in they're like I haven't eaten in 20 minutes yeah and so it's this thing of like practice eating when you're not hungry and even if you're like gagging on gels or gagging on bananas just like small bites and like try and force it down because even 20 calories will make a big difference than no calories and if you can't get down solid food try and get it down in liquid form if it starts to become really tough yeah. Because a calorie is a calorie, even later stages in the race. I know 2019 at mile 78, so outbound, um, I had a huge chunk of food. Um, and then heading up power line, I stopped eating. So from outbound to the finish line, I didn't eat anything because everything I kept spitting up because I was going to throw it up. And because I had 
banked, air quote, banked, and I don't recommend it and I don't want anybody to do it because I had been eating every 30 minutes. My body had the stores in it to keep moving, but it wasn't moving the paces I wanted to. So I went from having being probably maybe five minutes away from Tim to being like 20 minutes away from Tim. And, you know, that's fine. I slowed down, but I was still able to keep moving forward. And so we started pushing more liquid calories because I could drink broth and I could drink water. So you just got to keep trying, even if your body's like, no, not going to happen. And I will say you can come back from a puke and rally, but you can't keep coming back from a puke and rally. So if you've done like four of them, sit there, see if you can get calories in. If it's not staying in, make a smart call. Yeah. I, I know for me, it's just like ginger ale I can always have. So every time I come in to an aid station, it's like, I'm going to drink at least two cups of ginger ale. And if I can't eat food, then I'm going to have three or four just because I'm like, that, that's calories too. And I, my stomach yeah. can handle it. Yeah. If, the, if you have a tried and true, like my tried and true is usually ramen and broth. And if I can't get anything else down, I know that I can slurp that in and that's something. And if that's staying in, then we're good. If that's not staying in, then we need to problem solve. Yeah. Um, so if you've got a tried and true food, then stick with it, but always at least try and eat. At least for me, I do better when I'm eating small amounts every 15 to 20 minutes because you're, you're like, it's like a slow IV drip of food versus being like, Oh, it's an hour. I should eat something. And then your stomach's been doing so much work elsewhere that your stomach now has to pump a whole lot of blood to digest versus every system is working, you know, together. And that's when stomach stuff happens. Um, So if you're constantly eating throughout the race, there's less likelihood of your stomach to be like, Oh, we're done. Oh, that makes sense. I never even thought of it that way, but yeah, you're right. Like if you just overload it all of a sudden, you're like, Hey, here's a whole bunch of work stomach go. And you're like, Oh, yeah, I can't. And, you're, and you're running a hard uphill or running a hard downhill, your stomach's going to be like, <laughs> nope. Yeah, none of that. <laughs> and, and so, and maybe I'll just, I'll pile on like one thing to that. Um, I think having, you know, I, I mentioned those strategic aid station stops um, where you stop for longer than like 30 seconds to start like refill water. Um, and it worked pretty well for me in 19 where I sat down gave myself five minutes at Twin Lakes um, on the outbound and I gave myself, um, I gave myself five on the out. I gave myself five at Winfield and I gave myself five on the way back, um, like 15 minutes of stoppage time there, realizing that it like on the way anyway. Um, but I ate at twin. So I had, um, like one thing that works really well for me are tortillas, like rolled up PB and J's, um, because in a race, so it, like ginger ale might work for you, but like in a hundred miler, like I have found that a combination of like the fats and like higher density foods. Oh yeah. Um, will sustain me a little bit longer when the sugar stops, like, like eventually for me, like just sugary anything. I'm like, Nope. Yeah. Dude, you get to the point you're like, Oh, I just can't have sugar anymore. Like what? But your body like needs, you're going to move, moving slower. So you're going to move more into those fat burning stores. Um, which is why like, um, almond butter and peanut butter and some of those things tend to work a little bit better for me. So I just like forced myself. I was like gagging down a PB and J like burrito basically at twin 
before I went up hope and I took half of it with me because my five minutes was up. I was like, all right, Tim, your five minutes is up. Just take it with you and go. Um, and, and it worked really well. And then at desert rat stage race, I did the same thing. I had like probably a 1700 calorie, like PB and J burrito. And, um, and this cat like came across my screen. <laughs> Sorry. He jumped in here. <laughs> um, but you know, it's like a game changer because it's like, well, I don't really want sugary stuff. I really don't feel like eating, but I'm just going to like choke this thing down. And, um, and you're glad you did, even though you don't feel like you want to. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. Oh, for sure, man, dude. Yeah, yeah. It always helps to mix up the foods. Um, I don't like having the same thing at every aid station. I have, and this might be a good strategic plan if you know how many calories you're going to have between aids. So it's good to plan ahead time-wise. So this is where we get into like planning ahead time-wise and being a planner. So if you know it's going to take you five hours to get from May Queen to Outbound, plan your calories for your pack. And your crew can hand you a little baggie of food that's going to be 700 calories. Always pack extra. Always pack extra. Because if you drop one, then you got behind on food. Always pack extra. Good call. I didn't even think about that. Great tip. So have them hand you a Ziploc bag and then you can put your trash in your Ziploc bag so your crew can count your calories because my crew always gets mad at me if I'm not eating and it's just something that I just sometimes will do. So they hand me my bag of calories. I take it. I distribute it where I want to or I just hang on to it, shove it in my pack and I just pull out my calories, put my trash in, pull out my calories, put my trash in. Then we do a trade-off. Here's my bag. Take the next bag and go and it makes for 20 second trade-off and then they hand me the snack I leave the aid station with, whether it's a wrap of rice and avocado or it's a wrap of some other food or it's potato, whatever it is. I take a real food out of the aid station and then I've got my gels and other snacks with me. But that's where the planning of like hours to calories makes sense. You usually want like one to 200 calories. Per hour that again coming from a coach standpoint that's all dependent on body weight you need more calories the more you weigh it's nothing against your weight for anybody listening it's just science so yeah. the less you weigh the less calories you do need um, if you're somebody that does tend to burn a lot more calories on exercises the more fit you are tend to need more calories it's just science is that why I always leave the A station with like Lay's potato chips? Go ahead, get this. Ready? You just grab a handful of everything. Lay's, pickles, M&Ms, and you just toss it all in because you're like, it's yeah. going to the same spot. Yeah, it tastes good, right? <laughs> it tastes fine in the moment. You're like, I just need all of this food right now. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I had some great combos this past weekend at High Lonesome. Like I had <laughs> potato chips. Um, I was grabbing. They had some type of wrap that thank goodness did not have peanut butter in it. They had some type of wrap with avocado. I grabbed one of those. I have a genius move ready for this. I, I did this, Tim, when you were, when you were running, I was not running, but you were running and it was 116 degrees or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And I was, we had uh, English muffins and I'm like, you know, before you're like English muffins, peanut butter, that'll be great. But I'm like, dude, peanut butter sounds disgusting in 116 degrees. Like you don't want that. And so applesauce on English muffins, it's actually kind of refreshing. You Sounds can do good. the awesome sauce from spring because it's pretty much yeah. applesauce. So I got to say, one of the racers, gave, after I told him this, gave me an awesome sauce, Luke, 
gave me an awesome sauce and I, I used that on an English muffin and you're correct. It was delicious. So pretty much applesauce. Secret so, recipe. Not um, sponsored by spring. Not sponsored by English not, muffins. Nope. Not sponsored by spring or English I muffins. Wish I, was. I wish I, I was. They I would be stuff. sponsored by English <laughs> that, muffins for sure. But the awesome sauce is like my go-to. I That is me like too. the one gel I could eat all day because it goes down pretty. It tastes when exactly it's like, like applesauce. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's super good. It pretty much is applesauce. Yeah. It was like lava. It was warm. It was beyond warm. (laughs) It was like lava when I was eating it, but it was still delicious. Yeah. Um, What else? Like anything else that you guys are like, this is definitely, I don't know if we hit on all of your tips, like, or anything. I I don't, I have one, Chris, speaking of, speaking of heat. Okay. um, And, and another like big cause of DNFs at Leadville is not preparing for the weather. And, um, there's, there's big swings between day and night. Um, and I, I've seen carnage, um, at night and, um, I've been a part of it. I, I paced there one year and, um, got stuck. I was basically with course sweep coming off a hope pass. And, um, I had given like all of my clothes to the athlete that I was pacing and you do these river crossings and it's like one in the morning, it's 38 degrees outside. And I'm, and I was totally hypothermic when I got back to the car, like it took crew basically, I mean, I could have gone to med tent just for pacing. And I think part of it is that I always over prepare for the cold. So like my crew has, I have a down jacket. I've got like winter gloves. Um, I have a beanie, like just stuff that you're, like I had long pants, like all of it just to be prepared because you just don't know what state your body is going to be in. Um, your, all your blood is going to your extremities to try to keep moving. Um, and things can, you can go hypothermic, like pretty quick, or at least just shivering cold. And I've seen it a lot. And so I always just tell people it's better to like bring too much warm stuff that even if you wear it out of an aid station and you're like, Whoa, this is too much. You can give it to your pacer to carry for you. But, um, like I'm like way over prepared on clothing, um, for the night and in rain jacket, like always just carry a, a lightweight rain jacket on your, on yourself, like from the start all the way through. Cause like weather can roll in in a second and completely change the game. So that would be like one tip that I would have is just prepare for big swings and weather and layer up and yeah. Well, even here, like on the front range, dude, like even on a normal day without a storm, it can go from like 55 degrees to 90 degrees. Like you know what I mean? So it can be almost like a 40 degree difference, throw in a storm in there and throw in being in the mountains. Like you can just get a wide, wild range of, of stuff thrown at you, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'll add to that. Like you start at 4am. So it might be a little chilly. A lot of people do start in like singlets and t-shirts and that's fine. I usually start in a long sleeve, a lightweight long sleeve. And I probably end up wearing that till outbound but I keep it in my pack um, because again, storms. Um, But I will say there is places for water. It's not potable water to fill up like a bottle with unless you have a filter, Um, but get yourself wet. It's 70 degrees at 10,000 feet feels like 80 degrees Yeah, and like so on and so forth. And then the higher up you get add a couple of degrees to that it feels like it, it may not be that temperature, but it feels like it when you're hot it's dry and you're at altitude. Get yourself wet going up Hope Pass because it's going to just suck your soul if you're not keeping yourself cool and hydrated. 
So get yourself wet, get up, get over, keep cool. And then if you know that you're kind of running towards, you know, the later half of the race and you're going to be climbing hope when it's potentially dark, pack a different shirt in your drop bag that's dry because you don't want to be climbing hope in the dark with a wet shirt on because it's uncomfortable. Like Tim said, you can get hypothermic and then, or pack one for Twin Lakes that's dry because you don't want to start climbing out of Twin Lakes wet. And if that means you have 10 minutes in Twin Lakes to eat, change your shoes. I would recommend changing shoes at Twin Lakes, um, not at Winfield because you got to do those water crossings twice. You do not wet, want wet feet. Um, this past weekend, I had wet feet from basically mile six to mile 49. There was, for me, there was no avoiding it. Um, we had so much water on course, but you don't want wet feet, especially going into the dark. So I would say change shoes, twin lakes, get dry, dry, warm yeah. clothes on. I change if, all my clothes at twin. Like when yeah. I come back in, I'm like, I have this towel and I just throw it up and like yeah. just completely change everything. Change. And yeah. if you leave and you don't want your long sleeve on, hand it to your pacer. Or if you want to leave in a t-shirt, but you know you want a long sleeve, hand it to your pacer. Like best thing to do is have like a little goodie bag of clothes that you know you're going to want in the dark, hand it to your pacer. And then when you want those clothes, get it from your pacer. Like be that organized so that your brain doesn't have to think about it. And you can just say, Hey, I want those clothes. And your pacer's like, Oh yeah. And they take them out. Put your headlamp in there. Put your headlamp in that bag and an extra one. You just, I've had a friend who forgot their headlamp on Hope Pass. She forgot her headlamp and was stuck in the dark using her cell phone, getting down Hope Pass. Bring a headlamp. <laughs> That's just like my big thing. It's like you need headlamps. Put one in your Winfield drop bag just in case too. Always like have them. Pack just extra headlamps. Extra headlamps. Yeah. Extra or a flashlight or, or whatever, yeah. you know, just so you're not, because your headlamp, everything that can go wrong probably will. Mm. So, you know, just plan for it. <laughs> pack for worst case scenario, in, yeah. in all honesty. And like with the clothes, like Tim said, pack a puffy. I was first year, I didn't need the puffy. There is, I will say, if you're one of the people running at like 26 hour pace, the river by the like turquoise lake, there's a river in like the last six miles. And for me, it was just frigid to run past there. It was like the coldest section of the course for me, but I didn't need a jacket, but in 2019, I was freezing from May Queen till the finish. And so I was in a puffy and pants, but I forgot my puffy. So I was in my husband's puffy that was down to my knees. <laughs> so bring your clothes and don't forget them. So you're not stuck wearing a puffy that belongs to somebody else. But then and you look awesome in the finish line pictures. Oh, I, he made me take it off. So I actually <laughs> looked cool <laughs> and I wasn't looking like I was in a dress. Yeah. You didn't look like the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man from yeah. Ghostbusters. Yeah. Had to throw a movie so, reference in for Tim. Thank you. Thank you. I was so getting just, worried. <laughs> we got so pretty pack, far along. <laughs> so pack everything. I mean, your pacer's job is to carry that. My one thing with pacer's mewling is be responsible for at least some of your own water and at least two snacks. Like, because you can get forgetful. I've seen it happen with some runners. It's like they get forgetful of their own food and water. And then they get really behind. 
So I've always just had like my pack pretty much empty, but with one bottle and then like two snacks. And yes, you don't like having it on, but it's really helpful for you to be like, I just need a sip instead of turning around, getting it from your pacer that wastes time. So if you got it on you, even if it's just a handheld or put it in your pocket or something, it saves you. You don't have to carry all your other stuff, but something where you're not like reaching around to your pacer and wasting a whole bunch. Yeah. Of time. I usually have a bottle. Um, I have a yeah. totally empty vest on the way back with just like one bottle of water on yeah. me. And then, uh, everything else is just kind of handed to me or my pacers arguing with me cause I won't eat. Yeah. So yeah. now I feel like Tim, you're, you're strong enough. Like after Deseret's carrying your heavy pack the whole way, like you were just like, no man, I got this. And you're just like load up 40 pounds on your back and just go. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> That's my challenge for you next time. Well, I know what you're doing. You're, you're going to run, run, rabbit, run, right? Yeah, here, to, here in a month. I got to find my why, though, to Caitlin's point. I'm, your why is to carry 40, see if you can carry 40 pounds on your back for 100 miles. At least you don't have required gear. True. True you had that. required gear. It wasn't that heavy. Like, after yeah. packing with Hillary, like, putting that um, space blanket, whistle, light, and, like, taped seams, rain jacket for our day gear was not that heavy. And then having to put our night gear in. Like it didn't seem heavy. And I was like, man, it'd be nice if people could meal for us. But then I realized like, nah. And then we also had to carry like one and a half liters of capacity at all time of water. This was, was like, during this is high lonesome. Oh, okay. Like, okay. So this is kind of beneficial to me. Yeah. Yeah. Some people were complaining <laughs> like, about all of that. I think more I think more race is gonna go that way. Um, especially yeah. after like what happened, um, what was that China yeah. or yeah. wherever. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I think I think more races desert rats was kind of my first experience of like having to like the amount of weight that we had on our backs was, was really uncomfortable and I had to train with it to like get used to it. So when you know what, man, like having watched the rest of the race, like not just like your experience during the race, but seeing like the whole field, like people used a bunch of that equipment and I was like, Oh, I mean, some of it, not, not as much, but I've, I watched people use most of the stuff they told you to pack, which was it's kind of cool, right? Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. good thing they had that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Most of us raced at High Lonesome. We were all pulling out our rain jackets. Like yeah. we got poured on. So all of us were pulling out our jackets and stuffing them back in. Oh, yeah. Dude. Was so, that last weekend? Mm-hmm. And okay. Then, like, yeah. I saw a few people like wrapped in their own space blankets on top of the mountain passes. Cause they, yeah, it was super rainy had- weekend. And you had that race going on. Tim was in Leadville biking. You had the Ure 100 going on. Like, I was just like, man, what a weekend to do this. It's crazy yeah. stormy. Yeah. And people, I don't know if anyone had to like use their whistles or their extra lamp, but like there was lightning on some of the passes. So they had to like pause the race. Yeah. For- oh, wow the last like hour or two. So they had to extend it. So, you know, we're thankful that that gear was actually put into place Yeah. because the safety of going up from the Hancock station to Monarch pass, usually most runners will hit that in the dark. And that's the most exposed section of the course when the biggest storm was supposed to hit. Ugh, yeah. that was. So they were like, yeah, you're, you're now taking pants along with all this other night gear. <laughs> Yeah. So we, I mean, as racers, like I was like, I'm thankful they did that because no one had an issue. No, there was no safety issue of any runner. None of us were put in that jeopardy. So 
like we all used every piece of gear that they put in our bags. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, what do, is there any more kind of advice for Leadville as we kind of like wrap up a little bit? You know, there's, there's so much. And, um, you know, like I said, from like Caitlin and my perspective of just, you know, just racing it a couple of times. And I'm sure the pros have like tons of advice and people that DNF probably have like great advice too. Um, I think the biggest one honestly is like, have a plan. Like it's three, it's threefold for me, like have a plan, spend the time planning it and be realistic about it. Like understand kind of like from aid station to aid station, I normally run on this type of terrain about this pace and stack your plan to where it mirrors like your ability as an athlete, have an A goal. That's maybe a little faster, have like an outside goal. That's maybe a little bit slower. Um, so, so plan the race and then really spend the time to like visualize successfully, like reaching that plan. So when you're out on your runs, be like, I'm on this section of the course, I know I can do this. Um, so visualizing the success of that. And then the third thing is just relentless forward motion. Don't, don't stop a ton, like spend time. I mean, you can move like, I think 30 hours is, is actually really lenient. Um, given the terrain on this course. And I know I'll probably get blasted for saying that, but um, it, it's not, it like the course is not that difficult um, when it comes down to it. it. As long as you can keep moving steady at a steady pace, like you can finish this thing, like with really a, a really fast hike. Um, so it's, you've got to move forward. You can't like waste a lot of time at aid stations or stopping along the side of the trail or like going up Hope Pass and like stopping at every like switchback and like, you'll burn a lot of time. So just, just keep moving, make sure you're eating, um, and, and just visualize successfully getting through it. And, and you have a really good shot. Um, yeah, I'm right there. Like visualize your success. Like don't sit there and be like, I want this perfect, perfect day. Just visualize this. I'm going to finish. If you go in with that mindset of I will finish, you're going to have a successful day. And, you know, things do go wrong. I'm not going to sit there and sugarcoat that. Things do go wrong. But visualize your success and you're going to have a better day than you're pessimistically typing away on Facebook about. And so visualize success, set a plan. Like Tim said, what is your dream goal? And put that as that A goal in the box. What does your dream day goal look like? And then I always put my B goal as like, this is the realistic goal of what I can do. And then like, I always put the C goal as like finish and know that those are your three goals that you have out there. And you're going to hit one of them regardless. You're going to be within that window because that's a pretty big window. Yeah. And then that's your day you will finish and just go and move forward. Um, I think it was 2017 and 2018. Um, she's a professional runner, Abby Hall. She went out front of pack. She stopped in Winfield for like two hours, unable to breathe. So basically added two hours to her first 50 mile time. And she hiked the rest of the race to finish in like 27 hours from being somebody who was like within 20 hour time in 2017. So if you just keep moving forward, you can still hike the whole thing. Like she added on time from, you know, solving her problem, getting up and saying, I'm not done yet. 
and she and her pacer started hiking up Hope Pass, problem solved the whole thing, and she didn't run a single step until the boulevard from the back half of the race. She just hiked. So, I mean, it's possible, no matter what your day has in store for you, a fast hike, just moving forward, positive attitude. Those are my things. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, where, uh, where can people kind of like find more from you guys or hear more about your adventures or things like that? Um, people can find me on Instagram is probably, um, I've really started phasing off of Facebook almost altogether. Um, uh, but I'm on Instagram as be stoked, uh, without an E. So B S T O K D. Um, everything is like public on there. People can message me on there, um, ask for additional stuff. I'm, I'm happy to like send out any sort of race plans. I put together all that fun stuff, but that's probably the best place to kind of follow along with what I've got happening. Um, we're also working slowly on this all things trail running YouTube channel project, um, which has been fun. Um, so I'd like to get more consistent with that. It's just been a time, uh, time crunch for me lately, but, um, we're on there too. And Caitlin's, uh, participated in that a little bit too. So heck yeah. Caitlin, what about you? You can find me on Instagram primarily at kkroo917. And then under our coaching company at run underscore infinite. Um, those are the two primary, um, places you can find us. Both of them, again, are public and with Run Infinite, we have coaching plans um, that you can purchase that are just stagnant plans, or we have one-on-one coaching that you get to work with myself or my husband or our new coach, Kate Lang, um, that have experience and we're all certified coaches for ultra endurance athletes. Heck yeah. And you can also maybe find them if you're lucky, just roaming the woods randomly. (laughs) Yes. We like to do that. I'll be, I'll be at Leadville this year, rooting, rooting everybody on and doing yes. a little bit of pacing. So no way. I, are you, I didn't know that you're pacing. I'll be out there too. Every year, man. Come on up. Maybe we'll see. We'll see. But awesome, man. Well, thank you guys both for coming on. Um, it was, it was super fun, super interesting. Cause obviously you guys have the perspective of like, you've done a really like you've, you've done the race and you know, you also are very knowledgeable and experienced and I appreciate that. So thank you guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah. It's been fun. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps up this week's episode. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Caitlin. Uh, for anyone out there who's running Leadville this weekend, uh, best of luck. Seriously, just enjoy it. Try to be present as much as you can. Um, even through the pain, because you're out there to do it. You're out there to have fun. Um, You've been training hard for it. And now's your moment to shine. Now's your moment to smile. Now's your moment to drink ginger ale and eat Oreos. And it's going to freaking rock, dude. And the views in Leadville are spectacular. So take it all in. Enjoy it even through the pain. And yeah, I best of luck to each and every one of you guys running it to everyone pacing it and all the crew and all the families. If, if you're listening to this um, and you're someone who spent time and energy supporting someone to your, to their goal, uh, that's, that's so incredibly noble. And, you know, it's something that I think, you know, if we were all out there supporting each other towards all of our individual goals, like what a beautiful, wonderful place this would be. Um, 
you know, and just just enjoy Leadville. There's an awesome pie place. Can't remember what's called, but there's a place they sell pie. It's delicious. Go in there and it's awesome. So, um, yeah. So thank you guys for tuning in. Like I said, I don't know if I've done an episode exactly like this before where it's just like bring on some coaches who are really obviously like well thought out in their training and, and their running plans and all that. Um, and have them just share some advice about a specific race. Like, I think that's really cool. Um, so I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, if this was your first time listening to the podcast, thank you for tuning in, um, and go back. We have a whole bunch of podcasts that have been really cool. Um, I'm approaching five year anniversary of this thing, which is wild to me. Uh, so we're almost half a decade in and it's just been an absolutely life-changing experience for me. And it's funny to say something's life-changing when you're like just opening a computer and talking into a mic while your weird cat is just sitting here looking at you because he only wants your attention whenever you are like opening the computer and trying to type or trying to do something. But, uh, but yeah, seriously doing this has been life changing in many ways. So, uh, appreciate you guys for tuning in. Hopefully it's, you know, obviously my goal is to spread goodness. So hopefully this has brought some sort of goodness, enlightenment, maybe a chuckle or two, uh, to, to you as well. So, um, but yeah, go out there, get, get after whatever your goal is. You know, it doesn't have to be a hundred miler. Uh, I personally haven't ran a hundred miler yet. Um, because I'm not sure if that's a goal of mine. Um, but, but go off, go out there, you know, go after what you're passionate about. And if you're doing that, life will just be that much better. Um, it'll be that much more engaging and, and fun. So yeah. Um, (laughs) I just listened to the intro and all day I've been like, dude, my voice actually sounds pretty good because for the last like four days, my voice was completely gone, like completely. And I wasn't sick in any other way, except I just did not have a voice. And, um, and it was the weirdest thing. And so I went back to listen to the intro because I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, my voice sounds pretty good. And then I listened to the intro and I'm like, dude, I don't even know if you should be allowed around a microphone right now. Like, what are you doing? Um, But I have to tell this story because it made me laugh in the moment. But uh, on Saturday this weekend, so I went up uh, to Eagle, Colorado, um, one of my favorite places out here to run. The trail system there is awesome super cool like high desert type trails and whatnot and i was up there for a wedding and i have to say because i interviewed them both for the podcast scotty stark scotty stark getting married to Catherine thomas now she's part of the of uh house stark and uh i just want to say huge congrats to them i went up for their wedding um and and yeah, it was just an absolute blast. Those two are incredible. If, if you haven't heard, I've talked to Scott a few times on here. He's like a hiking hiking buddy. Uh, he just finished his first 50 miler. Um, I've kind of talked him into a couple ultra marathons, which has been really fun. Because um, I love talking people into ultra marathons and 50Ks and 50 milers and stuff. Um, but they went up and got married. So I went up to Eagle, one of my favorite places. And... Uh, 
I woke up Saturday morning and like I said, my voice was gone. It was worse than this. I could only whisper. And when I woke up, I felt totally fine. And I go run at like five in the morning before my kids are up and all this. And my wife, before she has to watch all three of them essentially by herself. And uh, so I leave at 5 a.m. I'm running with the headlamp and stuff. I head out into the trails and I don't see anybody for like an hour and a half. Um, Cause I'm like, I'm gonna do my long run. So I'm gonna be out there for two and a half, maybe three hours. I don't see anybody for like an hour and a half. And in my mind, I'm like, I feel great. Like it was one of the best runs I've had in like the last couple weeks or months. So I'm like, I feel awesome. And I'm like, I bet my voice is back. But I hadn't tried to talk yet because there's no point of talking, right? Because I hadn't seen anybody. I just woke up and left. And so I hadn't spoken to anybody at this point. But in my mind, I'm like, I bet I sound fine again. I bet it's gone. I feel fine in every other aspect. And finally, I see this dude running the trail at me. And, you know, dude, like, like you do, you have to wave and you have to say hi. It's like required. He's required because I have to let people know like I'm not just a weirdo creep in the woods by myself. And so this dude runs by and he's like, hey, man, good morning. And I'm like, here we go. We're going to hear my voice for the first time today. And so I like raise my hand and wave back and I go, hey. And then I'm like, oh, my God, dude, I am the weirdo creep in the woods right now. Like that guy, his like eyes, like he sped up, ran a little bit faster, eyes wide. So for whoever that dude was, you're welcome. I made you get a little speed work in your workout because I sounded like uh, a witch from a fairy tale, you know, out in the woods, just hey, and all that. So yeah, I just probably stopped talking because on Wednesday this week, I have to teach students for the first time. And I probably should save my voice. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. But anyways, I'm releasing this one early this week. So there won't be another one on Friday. Um, Go out. If you're at Leadville, have fun. Uh, We'll be back next Friday. So not this Friday, but the next one with our next episode. I have probably three or four of these already recorded. We're going to cover a whole bunch of stuff. It's not just going to be ultra running after this week. There will be a lot of that, obviously. Uh, but we go all over the place. We're going to interview Alyssa Clark after she won the Ure 100, um, which is fun. We have a podcast with a couple of my buddies where we just talk about dad mode. Um, we just talk about being dads. I'm like, let's just talk about being dads, dude. So with my cousin and my friend Jake Reed. So uh, that one's coming up. And then I got to interview another podcast guy um, from the Do Big Things podcast podcast. Uh, Adam McRoberts, who I met um, earlier this summer. So so that's super cool. So we'll be all over the place. I'll be recording a few more here and there. Um, but as school's starting, I kind of wanted to have a few in the bank uh, so I could focus my energy on being seventh grade teacher. So, all right, guys, uh, thank you for listening. And yeah, we'll get back at you next week.